Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Hey, everybody, it's good old J.R. Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. TCO, the French-Canadian Frankenstein. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Huge night of wrestling in the books. Uh, the Wednesday Night Wars this week in full form. We got AEW Fighter Fest. We got NXT presenting their version of of the Great American Bash, and I am here to break it all down for you with my good buddy Kyle Ross here on episode 155 of Top Rope Nation. My name is Ryan Drosty, and uh, Kyle, just right off the bat, I got to say, I had a lot of fun watching pro wrestling tonight. I, uh, you know, all too often lately, I haven't been real high on the product, and you know, it wasn't like an all timer as far as uh, like blow away matches go. But you know, w- watching the shows back and forth, I like you did, I had both shows on at the same time. I had AEW on on my TV, and uh, I had NXT on on my laptop. I just had a ton of fun going back and forth, talking on Twitter about it with people. Uh, just overall, what would you make of the night, Kyle? To your point, it felt like a quicker two hours than you know when you just watch one show by itself. You know, raw comparing it to like watching a Raw or SmackDown. Obviously, this you know two hours are always 120 minutes. This just in, but you know these 120 minutes definitely seem to go by quicker uh, than a lot of wrestling nights. I thought both shows were pretty good. They weren't that eventful, and I'm kind of surprised neither show went for a major angle to build for next week. I think newsworthy wise. The biggest thing is the match we're not getting next week on AEW. Yes. 
Yeah, uh, I guess we can mention that right off the top. They they announced that the John Moxley Brian Cage AEW World Title match, which was originally advertised for next week, is going to be in two weeks, and uh, they are calling that show Fight for the Fallen. So if you remember last summer, they had Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. They're, they're bringing both of them back now. That was new tonight. So Fight for the Fallen in two weeks. Next week is Fighter Fest Night Two. So they're going three weeks in a row with these themes. And, uh, of course, that has to do with the COVID-19 situation with uh, Renee Young, who's on the road to recovery right now. So far, John Moxley has tested negative. Uh, and there was a really entertaining segment with Taz on the mic for Brian Cage. And Taz hit it out of the park. Kyle, you and I were texting during this. And uh, maybe the night... Maybe the line of the night from Taz when he was talking about the COVID-19 testing, he talked about how Moxley's been tested twice, and he knew that if he would have came to AEW next week, he would have been tested a third time because he said, quote, John, as you know, we don't run a sloppy shop, taking a shot at WWE and their their <laughs> situation. Wow. Wow. What did you think of that? Uh, channeling is uh, 1997, 1998 days taking shots at WWE. <laughs> is Taz the guy in 2020? And that was a great promo. I, watching Taz as I have the last couple weeks, it's a really kind of crying shame he was never in this kind of role at any point in the past 15 years. Yeah, that's for sure. He's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. We talked about it with Lance Archer when they built him up uh, for the Cody match, the TNT title match, the inaugural uh, final. And they're doing a great job building Brian Cage up for this eventual match with John Moxley. And a big part of it uh, has been Taz on the mic. I think Taz is just uh, tremendous in his role. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, when they kind of put him in that role, I, I kind of thought I saw some people talking about this on Twitter as well. Other people talk about this on Twitter as well. AEW is kind of running a risk with having almost too many uh, old guys being managers. You know, they have Jake Roberts in that role, Tully Blanchard's in that role, but um, Taz has made it work. Yeah. Can't complain. Line of the night. Uh, he really stood out. It made Brian Cage feel special just being associated with him and, uh, yeah, it's the right move. It's a bummer. We got to wait an extra week for that match, but uh, I, I think we all saw that coming. But they made it official tonight. So yeah, I'll say this: with that match being moved back, I would be shocked if a or pardon me if NXT didn't win uh, the ratings war, quote unquote, next week. Same with with the Adam Cole Keith Lee title match they've built to that. For several weeks. Um, I know there was kind of some hand wringing over what happened last week with NXT picking up its first win uh, in some time. You know, there was talk of, well, there was not really much of the elite on all elite wrestling. And then some, I think Wade Keller brought up that NXT had some sort of tremendous lead in, some movie did really well. Okay. Yeah. Ratings. And whereas AEW's lead in was. Uh, nothing of the sort. So we shall see. Uh, very interested in the number. I get my guess is I shouldn't say very interested, but uh, we shall see who won the night uh, tomorrow, at least ratings wise. But uh, I, I'd call it even as for tonight in my own view of the shows. Yeah, I think, uh, 
if you look at like Twitter, AEW had the top trends. So if that's any indication, they might squeak out the victory. But I think it's going to be pretty close because I think going in, uh, the Io Shirai Sasha Banks match was among wrestling fans, at least that I follow, was the most anticipated match of the night. Yes, uh, for sure. So that's going to do a lot for NXT's rating. Uh, but at the same time, I felt the rest of the show, AEW, probably had my interest more. But uh, I was I was certainly waiting for that main event on NXT. And I know a lot of people probably think of the same thing. So we'll see. Uh, as Kyle mentioned, NXT won the viewership last week by a pretty sizable margin. Uh, AEW won the 18 to 49 demo by, I believe, three hundredths of a point, which they used to, at one point, they were doubling up NXT in that demo. So that is getting really, really close. So yeah, I'll have my eyes on that rating report uh, tomorrow afternoon for sure. As far as the two shows tonight go, I thought they followed a really similar trajectory in that both started strong, kind of hit a lull, and then it had solid main events. Yeah, that 20 the main, minutes the main before event, the main, main event, both shows really weren't a lull. <laughs> they weren't doing much. The, NX, the NXT main event was better. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought both shows kind of followed that similar trajectory. Yeah. yeah, if I had to pick a winner, I would pick AEW just overall. But I thought NXT had the, uh, the match of the night for me. But both shows, as you mentioned, got off to a really hot start. And, and, and by the way... Wasn't it you who once told me Twitter is not real life? <laughs> That's true, but you know what? I feel like it's becoming more real life with all of us cooped up in oh, our houses. Okay. Well, just because of the current situation with the pandemic and stuff, like I don't know. I feel like there's more people on there lately because people have nothing to do. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a different situation, but we'll see. Uh, wrestling fans very vocal, and I was I was actually just checking the trends on Twitter throughout the night, and uh, AEW Dynamite was trending number one, and Fighter Fest was trending number two. So they were carrying the top two spots, at least here in the U.S., for most of the night, which I found interesting. So, yeah. Another kind of just big picture thing before we maybe get into some of the individual matches here. I thought Chris Jericho was off tonight on commentary. I thought this was his worst effort. So I, that's funny you mentioned that because as it started, I was thinking in the back of my mind, I wonder how this will go when he's out there for most of the show. Because initially, like, I thought he was really funny. But, you know, like the way he kind of yells and stuff, I thought this is going to probably wear on me after a while. And it did. <laughs> but but initially, he, I thought like during that first match, he was really good. And him and JR had some good chemistry. But, it, yeah, I think it went downhill after that. I would agree. Yeah, he did seem like he was yelling over the other three guys. And let's just be very blunt here. I shouldn't have to tell any of our listeners this. A four-man booth is generally never a good idea. <laughs> no, for sure. No, no matter who's in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that when it was just Jericho and Tony, that worked a lot better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Speaking of the number of people on commentary, I should note that uh, we are not joined by our good buddy Justin Joint tonight. Had some scheduling conflicts. Perhaps he is angry about his ranking as far as the votes go in our show we did on Monday. Guys, if you have not checked it out, uh, on Monday we did a fantasy draft counting down the top matches in the history of The Undertaker's career. It was a hell of a lot of fun. A four-round draft. We had uh, Alfred Kanawa from Forbes joining us, 
And uh, honest to God, I said this on Twitter, probably one of my top five favorite shows we've ever done in the 155 episodes of Top Rope Nation. And uh, we put a poll out there on our Twitter page, at Top Rope Nation. I got a graphic with the draft results, you know, asking people who won the draft. And, uh, the, you know, I want, I want myself to win. I'm not going to lie. But the more I look at it, I feel like maybe Justin Joint should be winning. He is coming up in fourth place as the votes go right now. You still have a day or two more to vote in the poll. So if you want, if you want to check it out and give us your opinion, go to our Twitter page. But uh, yeah, Justin will not be with us tonight. I'm kidding. It's not because he's mad about the polls because he, he genuinely, genuinely had a uh, scheduling conflict. He'll be back with us next week. But uh, yeah. Anyways, that's what's going on. If you, if you haven't listened to the uh, the Undertaker show for money, definitely check it in the archives. It's a really good one. And you clearly. Uh we're in cahoots with Gavin Newsom of California printing millions of mail-in ballots. That's the way oh. this is working, right? Oh, is that what you think? <laughs> That's what my sources told. Oh. It's a rig. It's a rigged, all caps, poll. <laughs> Alfred and myself, uh, I last I looked, we're within one vote of each other for the top spot. So. I'm kind of coming in strong. I didn't really like my draft, I'll be honest with you. I did not expect to win. But I didn't expect to win the Flair one either, just because I picked all old matches. Yeah. And I thought, but you know, hey. Young people don't vote, do they? <laughs> yeah, I'm at 32%. Alfred's at 29. Kyle is at 22. And Justin's at 16. So it is pretty close. Uh, there's not a ton of votes in it. So you guys can definitely impact what's going on. Check out the graphic on our Twitter page. See what you think and vote in the poll, please. I'm about ready to hire Richard Daly for the late surge, I think. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So before we go any further, uh, definitely got to mention, guys, to uh, you know check out our partners at the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. This is the housekeeping. We do this every week, but we got to get the plugs out there. So BlueWirePods.com. You heard it at the top of the broadcast. We are members of the Blue Wire family and have been since the end of February. It's been great for the show. They've been great to work with. Check out all the other shows in the Blue Wire lineup. You can find it at bluewirepods.com, or just search Blue Wire on your favorite podcasting platform. Check out our fellow wrestling shows on Blue Wire, the two jabronis with the wrestling podcast. We got BJ and Jeremy over there. They do a great job. Of course, our friend Chris Van Vliet is always doing good stuff. And also check out the Fight Game Media, guys. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts tonight, do us a favor. Head to our show page. Leave us a five-star rating. All you got to do is go to the show page, click the fifth star. Takes you less than 30 seconds. We would greatly appreciate it. When we get to 100 ratings on Apple Podcasts, we'll be giving away a Top Rope Nation prize pack live on the air. But you got to leave us that five-star rating. So if you're on an iPhone, it's very, very easy. Just search Top Rope Nation in the podcast app. Scroll down. Click the fifth star. If you leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, we will read your review on the air and send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail for your efforts in leaving us that written review. Make sure you leave us your Twitter or Instagram username in the review so we know so that we can get a hold of you so we know where to send that sticker. Of course, we are available on all the major podcasting platforms in addition to Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, iHeartRadio, wherever podcasts are found. You can also check out topropenation.com where we have links to everything from our show archive to all of our merchandise at Pro Wrestling Tees and Spreadshirt. Pro Wrestling Tees is running a big sale over the next couple of days. So if you've ever wanted a Top Rope Nation t-shirt, this is a good time to do it. 20% off sale over the next couple of days. So great time to get a Top Rope Nation t-shirt and support the show. 
By the way, Ryan Jarosti, correct me if I'm wrong, did we not set some sort of uh, download record for the show this past month in June? We did. did. Misread my texts. Okay. (laughs) That is correct. Yes. Uh, June was the biggest month in the history of Top Rope Nation. So, guys, thank you very much for spreading the word about the show. Uh, Tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We've done a lot of content for you all. And uh, I believe nine or ten podcasts over the month of June. So I'm pretty proud of what we put out there. It looks like you guys are enjoying it. Continue to spread the word. Tell all your friends that like professional wrestling to check out the podcast. It looks like you've been doing that. Thank you so much from all of us and continue to do so. So speaking of all those shows, Kyle, myself, and you and Justin just recorded a brand new episode of the Top Rope Nation Classics podcast on Monday night. It's over on our Patreon page. This is the exclusive podcast we do for Patreon supporters. There's about 20 exclusive podcasts you can only hear on the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Nation. If you want to hear us go an hour and 40 minutes in depth on King of the Ring 93 and everything that was going on in the WWF in 1993, including all of the drama behind the, st- behind the scenes between Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart, check out our Patreon page. That show was a ton of fun. Kyle, I know you always love talking about mid-90s WWF. What did you think of that show? Had a good time. Could have gone longer. You know, I thought you did a great job. uh, You know, you had Bret Hart's book, Handy, was a tremendous resource, I think, for the podcast. And, uh, you know, talking about the Bret Hogan drama behind the scenes, I, of course, wanted to just start babbling incoherently about Tatanka and Lex Luger's 15-minute draw in the first round. That's okay. <laughs> so we've got we've got you covered no matter what you want to hear on that show. Uh, and, yeah, we talked a lot about what was going on in the WWE at that time. And hopefully I convinced you that Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler at SummerSlam is actually really good. Yes, I went back and watched it. I was a little low on that match. I liked it more on the rewatch. Hadn't watched in probably at least 15 years. We went, we got into a little back and forth at the end of the show, but uh, I did watch it later that night, as I said I would. And uh, Kyle, I'll agree with you. It was good stuff. So, yeah, you guys should check it out, though. Uh, on Monday, on our regular feed, I'm going to be posting a teaser of the show. It'll be like the first 15 or 20 minutes of the show. But if you want to hear the whole thing, Always exclusive to Patreon. Sign up. You get a free gift for doing so. You can hear that full show and all the Top Rope Nation classic shows in the past and all of them coming up in the future. We really enjoy doing those. And got to give a shout out to all of our Patreon supporters that make them possible. So thanks to Derek, Gabe, Kyle, Tim, Liam, Ryan, Sean, and Greg. And if you want to join the list, you get the shout out on the air. Sign up. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Speaking of classic wrestling... Kyle, Cody Rhodes making a statement tonight in AEW Dynamite, or maybe I should say AEW Fighter Fest, as he came out for his match with Jake Hager. What did you think of that t-shirt? I was in tears. (laughs) So yeah, I guess that we had two heavy shots fired at the World Wrestling Federation tonight, not just Taz, but uh, Cody, which was to be expected. You know, Cody always likes to get his digs in, but yeah, he had the... uh, what did the shirt say? I don't. Like, it was just in the style of the Great American Bash, the old yeah, NWA. Yeah, just said American styling. Nightmare Cody Rhodes, but it was the font yeah. and the logo of the old like eighties and nineties Great American Bash logo. Yeah, I noticed it right away and smiled. I I actually tweeted about it that I was in tears. <laughs> I was legitimately in tears. Why? Yeah, it was great. I immediately went to shop AEW to see if they were selling it. 
Uh, they are not, last I looked. Maybe it'll be up there eventually, or maybe they're not oh. going to sell it because of copyright, possible copyright issues. But it's a it's a parody, uh, but uh, very, very uh, creative. I think Twitter was really loving it from what I was seeing. So, yeah, I'm looking right now. It's still not up on the Shop AEW website, but props, you props to Cody. You can get those temporary neck tattoos, right? Yeah. Three pack, I believe it is. A three pack. I, I tweeted my anniversary is coming up in like two weeks. Struggling on the gift ideas, but now I know what I can get my wife. The uh the neck tattoo of the American nightmare. I saw someone had a really good joke out on Twitter when those came out of oh now Cody realizes there's temporary tattoos. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, yeah. I kind of thought that match, and I don't think I'm alone here, is when AEW started dragging. Yeah. As much as we, we want to laugh about, you know, fake temporary, t- or I guess, you know, just temporary tattoos. Uh, you know, we want to laugh about the Cody t-shirt. Wasn't a very good match, really, with Jake Hager. Jake Hager is proof positive that AEW cannot just sign every WWE cast off. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't know what that feud does for anybody. I think Cody's a star. Cody's great. <laughs> My four-year-old walked into the room, and she she never watches wrestling with me, but she walked into the room as that match was on, and she looked at the TV, and she said, Daddy, is that Cody Rhodes? Like, she even knows Cody. This guy exudes yeah. charisma. He's awesome. Not excited about him wrestling Jake Hager, though. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, think the ma- I don't think the feud, I don't think the match does anything for Cody. I think it drags him down. And I don't think it does anything for Jake Hager because Cody's not going to lose to Jake Hager right now. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't see how it benefits anybody. Yeah, and they did that weak finish that basically protected Hager, even though he loses. Uh, Remember what I said about Jake Hager? I think it was our AEW Revolution preview. That you run the risk the more this guy works these big-time singles matches where you know he's not going to win. Because his gimmick is he's this kind of like, you know, he's the heavy for Chris Jericho. He's this indestructible bodyguard, right? Well, you know, if he he lost to Moxley, which is fine. Moxley's the champion. He didn't win here. I mean, Cody's his biggest star as anybody in the promotion. But they got to be careful. I, I actually would not book Hager in matches unless if it's just like a quick squash designed to get him over in his role. Yeah. He, he needs to stay in that bodyguard lane. Yeah. And just be that. I, I I just have not really been impressed with him either here or in that Moxley match. Which I know Tony Khan like hyped up beforehand, remember? Mm-hmm. People were like kind of excited about it. And I'm watching this. I'm like, geez, man, I'm falling asleep. I mean, they did their best to hype it up, you know, with the press conference and all of that. <laughs> but I mean, I I never was never was big on this one. No. I I, I never got the hype for, you know. Jack Swagger at the time uh, when WWE was high on him. Christian carried him to one good match. And, like, like, Christian's great. Yeah. I mean, who can't? Christian can carry anybody to a great match if you give him the, you know, proper time. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, never decided this guy was some big star. He hasn't had a match that good, he meaning Hager, since. That was 11 (laughs) years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they uh I think I think Jack he was better as Jack Swagger and I was never a fan of Jack Swagger. So that that's that's kind of an indictment on what they've been doing with him here in AEW. And uh I guess what you're kind of saying Kyle is he should be booked like Diesel was initially, right? The bodyguard 
kind of just some big victory, easy victories here yeah. and there. Yeah, he, he's better, honestly, standing in the background. That sounds like a total insult. Maybe it is, but it's not intended to be. <laughs> I brought that up because on King of the Ring 93, our yeah. Patreon show, you know, we, that was when they gave Kevin Nash the name yes. Diesel as he came out with Shawn Michaels. Yes. So there's your tie-in. By the way, I it, for those listening and maybe if one of you care about that reference I made, the Christian Swagger match, I don't have a date because I'm just talking about it offhand, but it might have been in February 2009 on ECW television. Yeah, if, if you that go, sounds about if right. You Google, if you Google Christian Jack Swagger, you'll find a match that people were talking, like chatter that people were talking about. Trust me, it's the right one. Backlash 09? No. It was not a pay-per-view. It was it was definitely an ECW TV. It was definitely an ECW television. Okay. All right. I'm almost positive it was February of 09. Okay. Yeah, it looks like... Yeah, I just Googled it really quick. I'm seeing, like, Backlash 09, Extreme Rules 09. I don't even know if these titles are right, though. So, who knows? Whatever these people have uploaded as titles on YouTube and Daily Motion. But, yeah, we can look into that. Uh, so, anyways... Yeah, before we go any further, we've we've got a few more topics to hit on tonight, but we do got to pay the bill. So I got to show I got to throw a shout out to our good friends over at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet online is hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That is one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Kyle, one question I had for you on the shows tonight. What did you make of the sets? How, how do you think uh, AEW and NXT compared as far as what they put out there for set design? Because uh, both both brands were basically running this like pay-per-view events. What did you think? I like the Great American Bash setup. Although, did you see somebody tweet a picture where it appeared that they just plastered an NXT logo over WWE on the old Great American Bash flag that they ran for the pay-per-views in the mid-aughts. It is absolutely that. I saw the picture. Uh, you can even <laughs> see like the little red squiggly mark coming out from the old WWE logo like just below the X on NXT. <laughs> yeah. By the way, those were not strong shows. No. What was it? Like 2004, 2005, 2006? Great American Bash, those weren't good. Remember when they just changed it to The Bash? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you got the rights to use the name Great American Bash, for Christ's sakes, use it, right? <laughs> A real low point in pay-per-view naming. Uh, the Bash, although that did have a good Chris Jericho-Rey Mysterio match. A really good Chris Jericho-Rey Mysterio match. Uh, so I, I thought the shows were dressed up pretty nice. Yeah. And, you know, I know you're not supposed to say this anymore on podcasts or anywhere else. Uh, you know, I kind of liked some of the uh, decor, shall we say, uh, for AEW. I knew that. I knew where that one was going. 
Yeah, they went out of their way to to make the sets look nice for sure. Uh, NXT mm-hmm. NXT had the uh, the cars out there, which I thought was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the crowd with all wearing face masks for the first time, which uh, they've been getting you know some negative press on that for obvious reasons. Uh, AEW their fans are still not wearing face masks, which you know we've talked about how AEW has been testing people. Uh, unlike WWE, who just began that last week. But there's still a risk. People test negative yeah. as carriers. So, I mean, to see none of their fans having face masks, you know, they might get some criticism for that. And I, it's not completely undeserved. And people are certainly close yeah. <laughs> in AEW. And it's kind of odd that they're the company who has formally acknowledged this pandemic, yet... You don't see masks in the crowd for them. Mm-hmm. They're testing. That's mm-hmm. good. That's key. But, you know, yeah, you, you may want to throw a mask on. Yeah. So we mentioned this earlier. Both shows got off to really hot starts. Uh, Watching on two screens, I was my eyes were darting back and forth. Kyle said I had four eyes, by the way, tonight. What the hell was up with that, Kyle? <laughs> you, you're a big historian, so. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter, if, by the way. Yeah, if you're looking for facts. I don't know if Oliver Stone's documentary, The Untold History of the United States of America, you know, plays a little loose with the facts, shall yeah, we probably, say. probably, yeah. But one of my favorite parts of that documentary is when he was just ha- hammering Harry Truman. And it got to the point where he's like, and many of his childhood classmates referred to him as four eyes. <laughs> Uh, this came up because Gigi from the fight game media, he was like, how are you watching both shows? I'm like, oh, two screen experience. And I told him most of the night my attention was with AEW, but I was I was moving back and forth. And as the show started, I'm thinking this is going to be really tough because uh, on NXT, you had a fatal four way match. Number one contenders match with the women out there, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim and Candice LeRae. And over on AEW, you had a tag team match with MGAF and Wardlow against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And, man, these were both really good matches, I thought. Mm -hmm. They started off hot. MJF gave a really good promo to start the show. Um, Yeah, I I found myself more engaged, I think, with the AEW match throughout. throughout. But uh, at the end, when you had Dakota Kai... And uh, Tegan Knox, they really started to hit their stride in the women's match after a couple of uh, eliminations. It, it was tough to pick a better match, but both of them, I thought both of them really shined. Tegan Knox was awesome throughout that match, by the way. Her facial reactions, I tweeted about that. She was like shocked <laughs> when she won, just telling the story with her eyes. Maybe the yeah. best facial reactions in NXT. I'll say what Professor HBK had to be yeah. loving those facial reactions, didn't he? She was, I mean, she was really good though. Uh, but the tag team match, you know, um, you had uh, MJF Wardlow took took the pinfall. MJF didn't take the pinfall, although Jurassic Express got the victory, which I think was was the right decision. But uh, man, those guys were firing on all, on all cylinders, and uh, everyone working hard. Really, really good match. I thought. Uh, what, what did you make, Kyle? I thought there were some similarities between the two matches in the sense that there were they were both good builds to baby faces going over as they should have. Uh, I think Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are a really strong act, both individually and collectively. And, you know, had they just lost here, I, I think, 
you know, they, they might have run the risk of being typecast a little bit. You know, they, they played up the fact a lot in MJF's promo that, you know, it was a 2-0 and deal in, in individual matches on the heel side. They were, they were they had won the last couple, uh, well, going back to the last pay-per-view and then Wardlow beat Luchasaurus last week. So I think the babyfaces needed a win in this situation. It was well built to. They got it. I liked the storyline finish where they're kind of already teasing dissension with MJF and Wardlow. You mentioned how the finish went down. Wardlow took the pin. Um, there was a heel miscommunication spot where MJF uh, hit him with his ring. Uh, so that worked. No one was hurt by the loss, but Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, I think, gained from the victory. And then over on the NXT side, Tegan Knox winning, uh, not just winning, but getting a meaningful pin on her rival Dakota Kai, a good idea because, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, I don't think Tegan Knox had gotten a clean pin over Dakota Kai since they started feuding. Correct. Unless I missed something. No, correct. Dakota Kai won the cage match, and she won uh, the last takeover they did in Portland. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that made, I think both finishes made a lot of sense and were well done. Yeah. Strong start to both shows. Yeah. So the the NXT women's match went longer. Um, That match actually wrapped right as the entrances were going on for the second match on AEW. Uh, I thought there, I thought it was going to continue into to uh, AEW second match, but not quite Uh, on the AEW side. You had. Uh, Sheeta defending the title against Penelope Ford. Obviously, that match came about after Britt Baker's injury. And uh, this was a huge opportunity for Penelope Ford to show that, you know, she belongs towards the top of the card in the uh, the AEW women's division. There's certainly room for people at the top of the card over there. And I thought she came through really well. Uh, definitely her best AEW match to date. They had a, an outstanding match. And, uh, of course, Sheeta got the victory, but I think the big story was, you know, Ford showing that her stock is rising and uh, she could be a force to be reckoned with down the line. What did you think of that match? Yeah, that seemed to be the chatter on Twitter mm-hmm. was that Ford had a really good accounting for herself. But I think Sheeta's an excellent champion. Oh, and yeah. I think the AEW women's division is actually better than it's given credit for. There's a lot of people like, oh, AEW doesn't put any effort into their women's division. Well, folks, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on globally where people can't be brought in Britt Baker, who I think is the eventual star of that division injured. Yeah. So there's some factors out of their control happening right here, but these two had a very, very good title match. Uh, I think of the three matches we've talked about so far, my favorite one. Yeah. Penelope Ford's going to be a big star. I think Uh, the only criticism I have it is like Kip Sabian's interference. Like, really didn't I, yeah. mean anything. Like, it was kind of post. That's a trend in modern wrestling. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that where there's an interference spot, but it doesn't lead to the finish, but then the finish comes, like, right after? I don't like that. Yeah. I would and, agree. I would agree. And, and similarly, man, maybe, okay, maybe I guess there's a few things in a pick here. I don't like the idea that Sheeta hit the Falcon Arrow. Ford kicks out of it, and then Sheeta wins with just, like, a weaker move. Like, not her move. Like, right after. Mm. Like, that. Ha- that that's not unique to this match. That happens too much in modern wrestling, I think. Um, particularly these two shows, mm. AEW and NXT, where, you know, somebody kicks out of a finisher, but then, like, you know, just random move ends it right after. I don't think that's very logical, quite frankly. 
Yeah. Well, I, I do think Sheeta. We're only talking three people that have held the title, but I do think Sheeta is is the best women's champion so far. I thought when she won the belt from Nyla Rose, it was absolutely the right choice. She's really solid in the ring. The fans like her and respect her a lot. And uh, I think I think she bridges the gap until you get Britt Baker back. And uh, I agree with you. Britt Baker is the eventual star. I think her injury was pretty depressing because she was really, really starting to hit her stride with this heel run. And, you know, they've, they've kept her involved and she's been yes. entertaining and everything, which has been good to see. But, yeah, she, she is definitely the eventual big star in the division. But, you know, what I meant by them having plenty of room at the top of the card is it's it's a new division. There's a lot of people that haven't really – it's a new company. They haven't really established themselves yet as top-tier players. And Penelope Ford certainly has what it takes, I think, to be at the top of the card. And she'll be she'll be in the mix moving forward, no doubt. This this proves yeah. that she, she should be. Yeah, she'll get other opportunities, and I think she'll be uh, protected yeah. moving forward and pushed. So, yeah, good for her. Good account. So while that was going on on uh, on NXT, you had the Timothy Thatcher Oni Lorcan match, and oh yes, it was a very very old school match. I think I I tweeted out something about how this looked like right out of the studios of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation in the early eighties. Uh, I admittedly was paying more attention to the AEW women's match, but I was you know I was glancing back and forth. This is one I, I think I'll probably have to to rewatch. But yeah. if you like old school wrestling, this is probably one you want to check out. From what I was seeing. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how far Thatcher's pushed here at NXT. I think he's unique, the way he works. But he's hardly somebody you would expect to be the top of any brand in WWE, even NXT. Yeah. Right? I mean, certainly Mm -hmm. not Raw SmackDown. I mean, that's out of the question. But, you know, the uniqueness, that goes a long way for me now where, you know, I'm seeing stuff where a lot of guys just work so similar. Thatcher, he is old school. I love the vignettes they've been doing, the Thatcher's Thatch can. That stuff is great. So um, they he got the win here. I mean, that was – I don't think anyone thought he was going to lose. He had the big win over Riddle a few weeks back. So it's really interesting to see where he goes. I could see him eventually, and you know, we'll talk about maybe at the end of the show, our picks for Cole Lee next week. If like the NXT North American title got vacated somehow, for instance, I could see Tim Thatcher being a guy who could win that tournament and get a nice run with that title. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that here shortly because, yeah, I, I definitely want to get our picks on that because that is a big, big match that I'm really looking forward to. So we'll we'll hit on that momentarily. Um, I thought that after this part here, this is where kind of NXT started to kind of hit a lull. Um, I can't say that I was both real- shows. Well, yeah, both. Sh- we talked about the Cody match, which mm-hmm. uh, followed that one up on AEW, and then NXT. They had the the intergender, the Robert Stone and Aaliyah versus Rhea Ripley match. That, that didn't really do a lot for me, uh, and they followed that with Roddy Strong and Dexter Loomis and the Strat match. I love Roderick Strong, but this is not one that really I was very excited for. I don't know about you, Kyle, but. I was kind of tuning into, I was tuning out, I should say, of uh, NXT at this point. And then they went into, after that match, a lot of the video packages and everything, getting people ready for next week before we got to that main event with Sasha and Io Shirai, which, as we mentioned at the start, was fantastic. Dexter Loomis is not the guy, especially <laughs> as a baby face. I'm sorry. He's got kind of a good look, yeah. but I can't remember if it was our good buddy Zach Hador or if 
it was his counterpart, Greg Parks, over the torch. One of them tweeted that the issue with Loomis as a babyface is, as the audience, we have been given no indicators what his intentions are as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's just kind of like a, there feuding with the Undisputed Era, but it's like, I don't really get why. Yeah. I don't understand why I'm supposed to like or root for Dexter Loomis. That's, you know, kind of a a blank that needs to be filled in by that creative team. Uh, as for that handicap match, Rhea Ripley has clearly lost momentum oh, since WrestleMania. Uh, you know, and we, everyone was talking about her as maybe, you know, one of the top uh, women stars in all of WWE. And it just, you know, since losing to Charlotte, it's it just been, you know, kind of working in quicksand, I guess. Wait, Kyle, uh, I it, thought I thought that we would find out within a few months that the Charlotte Flair booking against Rhea Ripley would all make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Highly questionable. Ah. Highly questionable. Yeah, I'm still, I'm, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Well, hoping for an answer, Paul, hoping for an answer. Uh, on the book, that kind of match referring to the handicap match and just have the baby face go over. Like, you know, you tease this stipulation that Rhea Ripley's got to join the Robert Stone brand, which I don't think anyone really wanted or mm. thought was a good idea, but I, I just don't know what the, like other than giving Rhea a win, I guess. And, you know, maybe they recognized, Hey, we've got to get Rhea some sort of big win and, and make her look strong again. I guess that's what this was all about, but yeah, I don't know. And somebody tweeted this, and I completely agree. This is a bizarre criticism, but one I'm co-signing. I think Robert Stone was actually too ripped to make his gimmick work in this instance. You know, like the nerdy manager mm-hmm. who would be cowering for like, you know, anyone knows his career. He was a he's a wrestler, and he's just in too good a shape. You know, this was not watching like Slick after wrestling, <laughs> yeah, or somebody like, or you know, like or, or Jim Cornette, yeah. Like, this was, he, I mean, he's a lot better shape than I'm in. I mean, it's true for a lot of people. But, you know, I, I mean, in his case, I, mean, I just, I don't think it worked. Am I crazy? No, I agree. 100%. I just, you know, I know some people kind of thought he was healing it up. And it was, it was okay. They liked how he was doing it. But I, I don't know. It's just, that didn't do it for me. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I was not invested. I had pretty much zero interest in the match. Um, AW, as we talked about earlier, Hager and Cody, they followed that up with a, a Darby Allen promo. And then they got into the private party versus Santana on Ortiz tag team match, which honestly was a pretty good match. I'm, I like private party a lot, but man, it's kind of depressing because Santana and Ortiz were a big deal prior to coming to AEW, and they just don't feel like it now uh, whatsoever. So I, I wasn't that invested in the match. It, it was a decent match if you're out there looking for good wrestling. And uh, Matt Hardy doing a good job, you know, I guess, tutoring private party. But, uh, <laughs> you know. I love everyone keeps talking how he's playing the role of Michael Hayes yeah. for the Hardy Boys yeah. 20 years ago, or 21 years ago. Should also mention that Orange Cassidy was out there uh, at the commentary desk throughout this, and then afterwards him and Jericho got into it promoting their match for next week, which that I did find entertaining. Looking forward to that one. And it got Jericho off commentary. Which yeah, I think <laughs> which by question. this point was, yeah, necessary. So the tag match here, it feels like these guys needed to do a big blow-away match, just a total spot fest, right? Mm-hmm. And... 
in parts it was good, but I don't know. It just it felt like there was no real stakes involved. It wasn't announced until afterwards that Private Party would be receiving a title shot at the winner of the main event. Yes. I think had they announced that before this match, it would have helped it. Because it just felt, I was like, yeah, you know, these are two solid tag teams. I like them both. But there's just no real stakes here. And this isn't a blowaway match. So it, it was fine. It just, uh, it wasn't great. No. It makes it no sense to announce that afterwards. <laughs> it's very counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I wasn't as interested in, as I was the opener, even if these guys were doing more athletic stuff. Mm. I, I just felt like emotionally, uh, I had a more of a connection to that opening tag match, the MJF, Wardlow versus uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100% agreed. Uh, it was at that point on AEW that they had that Brian Cage segment with Taz that we talked about at the show open. And then we get to the main events. And this was absolutely hilarious. So the best friends come out. Trent Beretta's mom drops him off in a minivan. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I walk to the ring. Hangman and Kenny Omega come out. My four-year-old walks in at this point. She looks at the screen. She says, Daddy, is that He-Man? Pointing to Kenny Omega. I said, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Do kids still know He-Man? My daughter knows it because I have played it for her. Because <laughs> I oh, loved He-Man as a child. That's and, fun. Well, really? It, yeah. Wasn't So, I can't remember how many years younger than you, you are than me, but I know it's like... Like three or more four. More few. Yeah. Okay. Was He-Man still a thing when you were like little or... Yeah. Like you had to be like super little, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I so... I think it had recently stopped airing like on TV, but it was still really popular going into the late 80s. I was probably watching He-Man around like 87, 88. My, we used to rent oh, the wow. videos and my parents would uh, would dub copies of them from the video store. So I had like all these He-Man tapes and I had all the toys and stuff. And yeah, the, so reason I, I. Yeah, the reason I got my daughter into it is I was like, well... This was like one of my favorite shows as a kid. And then I introduced her to She-Ra. And there's a She-Ra Netflix series now, like a new version of it. My daughter loves it. So that's why she knows. Oh. Yeah. But anyways, I thought that was really funny because she thought Kenny Omega was He-Man. <laughs> it's, that was like the only cartoon I was ever into. Yeah. Oh, my God. I Story. loved it. Like was he And then, you know, once I, you know, locked eyes on the World Wrestling Federation for the first time, it was goodbye cartoons. <laughs> There you go. So two strong main events with this one and then the Io Shirai and Sasha uh, match. So, you know, my daughter doesn't really watch wrestling, but she loves Sasha Banks. So she was coming she in because she was, did tonight. I yeah. mean, my God. <laughs> I never mentioned her so much. Shows. Okay, yeah. Maybe she'll she'll listen to the archives when she's like 14 or 15 years down the line and hear these references. She'll like, I didn't, and she'll be like, I didn't say any of that shit, Dad. <laughs> But she loves Sasha Banks, and uh, so she kept coming in all night. Like, when's the Sasha? Ma when's Sasha Banks coming out? So here it was. Uh, at this point, I put NXT on the TV because she wanted to watch it, and I put AEW over on my laptop. So I was going back and forth, but I was definitely paying more attention to the NXT match. Um, it looked like Hangman and Omega had a good match with with best friends. From what I was reading, it seemed like the kind of the ending kind of came out of nowhere for people. Uh, of course, Hangman and Omega won the match. Afterwards, FTR came out, and uh, they wanted to share a beer with Hangman and Omega. But then Kenny dumped the beer on the ring, and then out came the Young Bucks, and there was some tension, and that's kind of how the show went off the air. I don't know how closely you were paying attention to this match, Kyle. 
Yeah, I caught most of it. Um, you know, I was go looking back and forth. So the best friend's entrance was amusing. <laughs> but I'm still not huge on them as anything more than an undercard act. Yeah. And I thought they were kind of in a tough spot in this match being presented as obviously the inferior babyface team in special. Maybe they weren't presented as such, but I think anyone who follows the product would come to that conclusion. Yes. I just did not buy a title change here at all. FTR comes out uh, for a potential tease of their own title match, possibly with Paige and Omega. Uh, You've talked about the post-match with Omega not drinking the beer. Young Bucks playing Peacemaker's between FTR and Omega, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Some people started spinning the wheels and said, hey, maybe down the line there could be a six-man of the elite against Hangman and FTR if, you know, depending on how that split goes. Yeah. Um, I don't think Omega and Paige should split until we have crowds back, by the way. There's no way you do that split um, in this era until yeah. you get crowds back. For the record. Uh, so it's interesting what they're doing with the Bucks and FTR, how they're having them team up next week. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. So we all know at some point they're going to work against each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if that'll be an all out or what, but uh, it's interesting the way they're going with that. And then over on NXT, I was honestly expecting this to be a non-finish all the way between Io Shirai and Sasha Banks. I thought that Bailey would interfere and that, you know, we would get, um, Kyrie Saint is who I thought was going to show up. Yeah. So I guess that I, I get a report came out just as the show ended, uh, that there's some confusion right now, uh, over the status of Kyrie Saint in WWE, that there's a lot of silence coming from the W. I mean, obviously WWE knows what the status is, but they're not talking. Mm. So I guess, you know, that was, um, Obviously, foolish thinking on my end, thinking Kyrie would figure it because just because it was a natural, you know. I, I think when this women's tag division was first announced, if you go back 14, 15 months at this point, to me, the match was Sasha and Bailey against EO and Kyrie. Yeah. When you looked at the landscape 15 months ago, uh, I expect fully we're going to get EO and Asuka against Sasha and Bailey now. Yeah. So Asuka made the surprise interference yes. at the end of this one. Uh, the green mist. On Sasha Banks, yes. which you know eventually cost her the match. Uh, there was some fighting then on the outside between Asuka and Bailey, and uh, Io then took out Bailey, goes up top, hits the moonsault, gets the victory over Sasha Banks. My daughter was very disappointed that Sasha Banks lost. I promised her we'd watch a match tomorrow where Sasha Banks wins from the archives. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a good match. I, I, I enjoyed it. Asuka and Io. Team, very interesting if you know the history there. Mm. So uh, that that's that's good. Enough. I don't know if it's going to be on NXT TV next week. Um, obviously, they've got the big winner take all match that we'll talk about in a moment. They've already announced some other stuff, so there may not be room. They may do that match on Raw. To be honest with you, I wonder if EO works Raw. I could see it, but do, yeah, do I mean, you know the problem with Sasha Banks losing. Here because I mean she is a title contender. She's been she's been on she's been booked really well. Do, do you? I mean and the way they did it, I guess, is is no problem. I mean with the green mist and stuff. It's no, not like, I I, it, I didn't okay. have any problem with it. You know, just based on what they're building on Raw with their title match. Okay. So I thought it was fine. 
And Asuka, to be honest with you, made a lot of sense yeah. to interfere since she's working Sasha Banks at Extreme Rules, the horror show. Yes, the horror show. How did that one get through? <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. One point to WWE because they're subtitling these pay-per-views. Remember what we talked about, uh, like the history of In Your House? We did that podcast. And we talked about how we actually really liked the unique names for the shows. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Beware of Dog, Good Friends, Better Enemies, how it it gave those individual shows an identity. Well, one point to WWE, because they've come up the last two months now with kind of subtitles for the pay-per-views, right? It's not just Backlash. It's not just Extreme Rules. But minus two points for trying to hype something is the greatest match ever. And the next one is, quote, the horror show in the middle of a pandemic when your company is getting all this bad press. <laughs> and they put out the name, like, right after they got all the bad press. Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of self-awareness there. That was uh, that was real bad. Um, Kyle, you mentioned it. Next week, winner take all. Keith Lee, Adam Cole. Who you got? The winner-take-all gimmick, if they actually follow through with it, would seem to be a way to beat Keith Lee and send him up to the main roster, wouldn't it? Keith Lee or Adam Cole? Keith Lee. Ooh. It could be. Um, my pick was I actually Keith Lee, though. I have not seen What's that? I'm, my, my pick was Keith Lee with Adam Cole moving up. Because Adam Cole's contract is reportedly coming up, and they want to no, transition him. I heard that was uh, he, he'd resigned in December, is what I heard. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like the a lot of the NXT talents got um, uh, new deals when they hit USA. So, and, and Adam Cole, I believe, is one of those people. Hmm. Is the way. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's because I I had seen those reports that Adam Cole's uh, deal was up in August or something like that. Yes. But it, which struck me as crazy because like, wow, he could be in a real position of power here, and that's very un WWE like to kind of allow someone to get into that position of power. So, but then I I had read stuff that um, said no, no, he'd actually kind of resigned. He's locked under for a while now. So. Um, which which kind of makes sense because, like I said, Adam Cole would have been in an incredible position of power um, were his contract to be running up in two months. So I, I don't know. I, I think if Adam Cole goes up, the whole group's going up, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can't just send Adam Cole up. Um, I guess a, here's another question. Do we think they're following through on the gimmick? Do we think that – one of those two guys is going to walk out as a double champion. Are we uh, are you, either yeah. way, or is there some doubt in your mind that they're going to follow through with that? They might do a non-finish. There's a little doubt for sure. Um, you mentioned earlier, like if the if the title would be up for grabs, like they would forfeit one of the titles in the aftermath, which I could well, I, I could see the that North happens. American title. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. I I know we've talked about this for a while, and I've picked him to lose, and he continues to reign. But I am so over this Adam Cole NXT title run. I I'm I'm gonna pick Keith Lee just because. 
I'm just, I love Adam Cole. He is, you know, in my probably top 10 favorite wrestlers to watch right now. But man, it's, it's, he's been champion forever and I want to see something new. So I am going to pick, I'm going to pick Keith Lee. Uh, I, I think that I doubt that he would continue to hold both titles. They probably would maybe have him get rid of one, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't really given it much thought to be honest with you. Honestly, I've said this before, and I still feel that way. I think if you want to spruce up Adam Cole's character down in NXT, he needs to be a babyface and feud with the other three guys of an undisputed era. Mm-hmm. I could see that. that that's what I the, the crowd. I mean, look, we're in this kind of unprecedented era, obviously, but I don't need to remind you, Ryan, that when there were crowds, this. The NXT audience is dying to cheer for Adam Cole. Yeah. I don't I'm, think they see him as a heel anymore. No, they cheer for it, him anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they love the Bay Bay that, you know, they love, they, they love the entrance. They love the boom. Um, they love all that stuff. So, um, to me, that was always the storyline arc for the undisputed era that at one point, you know, Cole would split off. He'd feud with the other three. And then if you did want to put him up, you know, to Raw or SmackDown, you could just have them do something where they unite and they, they cope there because I, I, you know, Adam Cole maybe could make it by, by himself on Raw or SmackDown. Maybe. But um, I think that collectively they're they're much better together than apart. The other three guys I don't think would have a chance in hell on Raw or SmackDown. Not that they're not immensely talented because they all are. Yeah. But I just don't see them being pushed on either Raw or SmackDown. All right. Well, we'll see next week. Next week, we will be doing uh, another post show just like this, looking at what happens on NXT and AEW with, uh, with I guess, week two of the uh, up in the ante Wednesday Night Wars, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, we did want to get to the mailbag segment. We talked about this last week. Ah. We, we, we used to do this in the past. We're bringing it back. The old mailbag segment here on Top Rope Nation. If you have a question for the show, something you want to hear us talk about, send it in. Email us, topropenation at gmail.com. If we read your question on the air, this is another way to get free merch. We'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. So send in your question. You can get a free gift. Something that's on your mind, let us know. We'll talk about it. Our first question this week, Kyle, comes from Chris in Wisconsin. And he wants to know, can you guys think of a more influential gimmick than Gorgeous George? Gorgeous George obviously was, uh, this is me talking now, Gorgeous George, one of the more influential wrestlers in history going back to the 1950s. You know, Hulk Hogan likes to talk about being one of the first people to use theme music. But in fact, 30 years earlier, Gorgeous George was doing it, coming out to Pomp and Circumstance, uh, which Randy Savage would make uh, famous in the wrestling world, the graduation music. Uh, in the 1980s, uh, Gorgeous George also influenced people like Ric Flair. So definitely very, very influential. Who who would you say, Kyle, is up there with Gorgeous George in, in terms of influencing future generations? It's not expecting a Gorgeous George question on tonight. <laughs> there oh, you gosh. go. There's the first one. Yeah. Uh, superstar Billy Graham is someone who just like came to my mind. I don't know if he's the right answer just because of the obvious influence on Jesse Ventura, Hulk Hogan, and Scott Steiner. Yeah. So that came to my mind right away. Um, In terms of like 
the all time, like who is a guy? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, if you're talking about the modern era, Shawn Michaels. I don't know if that's a great thing, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you've got an entire generation of guys now who very clearly worship that man. Yeah. I mean, I, Michaels, I, Ric Flair. I was thinking superstar Billy Graham, too. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, I mean, Jesus, I mean, you have like an entire generation of guys who just wish they were Shawn Michaels and unfortunately don't have Shawn's abrasive personality, so it doesn't work as well. <laughs> so, um, it's just, yeah, it's just the, you know, the moveset without the, you know, backstage politicking, and it makes for a far less interesting character. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, in terms of in-ring, yeah, Jesus, everybody wants to be Shawn now. <laughs> Yeah, and when we're talking influential, it's not just, you know, whether the person is a star, it's that people modeled their careers after them and, you know, influenced their gimmicks. So I think superstar for sure, because, you know, influencing Hogan, Flair, I mean, pretty much every big star of the last 20 to 30 years talks about growing up idolizing Ric Flair. So it's a short list, but I think Flair is definitely on it. Michaels is definitely on it. Gorgeous George certainly influenced someone like Ric Flair. So, yeah, that's a good question. Something to think about. Um, our, I'm still our, thinking about it, as a matter of yeah. fact. I don't know. In, in the next five minutes or so, I may just shout out somebody else. But let's go to the second question. Yeah, the second one is from our friend Greg in Ohio. Greg says, Oh, this year has given many opportunities to shine a light on exactly how much uh, the patriarch and matriarch of the McMahon family are complete trash as human beings and business people. He said this this in last week, by the way. He says, today's reports of upwards of two dozen positive COVID tests are this week's entries. He says, what would it take, in your opinions, for you to finally throw your hands in the air and walk away from WWE altogether? And would AEW be enough to scratch the proverbial wrestling itch? Kyle, what would it take? For you to finally say I've had enough of the WWE. That is a tough one. Okay. We've kind of talked about this before. I don't know what the context was, but I know we've talked about it. The only time I stopped watching WWE and really wrestling in general would have been in the wake of the Ben Wabber suicide. Yeah. Uh, from that point... Through basically 2010, so we're talking two and a half years, I watched very little wrestling. I remember I got the 2008 Rumble. I got WrestleMania 24. I don't think I watched any wrestling in 2009, hardly. That is what, uh, you know, it's funny. We just did the Undertaker draft and obviously the match with Michaels Mm -hmm. that year went very high. WrestleMania 25. That is one of uh, only two WrestleManias I haven't watched live in the last, like, 18 years or whatever. Hmm. So, um, and then I got, like, Rumble and, and Mania in 2010, but I didn't, just because, just like, Bret Hart came back. Um, and I was interested in that, but, like, yeah, other than that, like, it was that, it was Benoit. I mean, other than like, I still ordered four shows, I guess, over the course of those two and a half years, the big ones, Rumbles and Mania, but I was not tuning in on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it would be something like real bad. And for me, it was like, because like, obviously, like a lot of people, I really liked Chris Benoit as mm -hmm. a performer. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like really horrible, like liking someone 
who did that. It was like, this isn't fun. And I was just like, I'm cool with it. And I, I don't know, maybe I just had other interests and stuff. I was in my late 20s. For all the product, I didn't think was that good anyway. So that's what it was. Um, as for what it would be now, I don't know. I've said this before on the show. I know what this industry is. Like, I know who Vince McMahon is. A lot of this stuff, it's disappointing, it's wrong, but it doesn't surprise me. And if that makes me a shitty person in a listener's eyes, I guess so be it. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It, it, I mean, there's one thing that stopped me from watching for an extended period of time, and it was obviously the darkest day in the history of this industry. Yeah, we we have all talked about that and mentioned that, and the Benoit thing kind of turned us all off for a little bit. Uh, it's hard to imagine anything that would make me just completely tune out from WWE. And even if I did, you know, I've had those. Justin always talks about the dark periods. I've had those periods too where I I was I certainly wasn't watching every week, but I was still following it, you know, like through websites and what was happening and, and stuff like that, kind of like you were, Kyle. So I, I don't know that I can say that I would ever definitively tune out just because it's been such a huge part of my life ever since childhood. Yes. You know, it's in like you said, Kyle, we know what it is. We know who the people are that are in charge. We know what they're we know what their priorities are. We know what their beliefs are. And a lot of those things, frankly, yourself, myself, and Justin don't agree with them and on their views outside of the wrestling world whatsoever. Um, but we continue to watch because we respect the performers and we want to support them and everything. But if something did happen to just completely take me away from the WWE, I do think that AEW would be enough to scratch the wrestling itch and certainly New Japan as well. I I could definitely, I could get by watching just AEW and New Japan. I think that would be more than enough for me. God, there's so much content between those two companies, but I don't, I don't imagine a day coming when I would ever stop watching WWE to be honest, or at least just following it um, through the internet. Yeah. And just like old stuff too. Like, that's funny. I talk about when I wasn't following the product really in real time during that period a two and a half year period, I still watched old wrestling. Yeah. Like a lot. Like, you know, at the time there was no network, but I, you know, had a very extensive tape and uh, DVD collection. So, you know, I would just throw that stuff on. Um, to be honest, I think I was like still like regularly buying the WWE DVDs, even though I wasn't watching the current product. I have like a lot of DVDs from that era, I feel. Yeah. Same. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I hope that doesn't disappoint people that you know I'm a. But you know, like you said, it's been a big part of my life. So I mean, I've watched it now for what since I was six. So I'll be forty, you know, next month. So yeah, like thirty four years. It's kind of hard to turn it off, I guess. Mm-hmm. Although I feel we, it's our generation keeping this business alive <laughs> for right? sure. Because yeah, <laughs> they, they they ran off all the old people in two thousand one. And this last decade, they ran off all the young people. So yeah. basically, it, they're just relying on all those people who watched it for 30 years. Yeah, we're keeping uh, it alive. No, thanks for the question, Greg. That is a really thought-provoking question. And we want to hear from more of you. So get those questions in. TopRopeNation at gmail.com. Uh, we will definitely, next on next Thursday show again, when we talk about AEW and NXT, we'll do the mailbag segment again. So hopefully we'll have a new crop of good questions. And if we read, read your question on the air... I'll send you that free sticker in the mail. So get a hold of us. And uh, like I said at the top of the show, Monday's show next week is going to be that special preview of the Patreon-exclusive show we did the other day, Top Rope Nation Classics, looking back at WWF King of the Ring 93. A really, really fun show. 
If you enjoy what you hear in the preview, or if you want to hear it right now, head on over to patreon.com slash Nation. Sign up, free gift in the mail, hear that show, and the 20 or so shows that are available in the archives exclusively on, exclusively on Patreon. would very much appreciate your support there. It's the best way to support the show moving forward. So with that said, this has been episode 155 of Top Rope Nation. I'm Ryan Drosty. Here for Kyle Ross, Justin Joint will be back with us next week. See you guys then. Have a good weekend. Peace. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.